When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hi Bob, the officially unofficial for all mankind podcast on Apple TV Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back for the season three, let's say the first season three feedback episode. Uh, it covers everything from episode one through episode three, because that's where you guys currently are. We have a de- we have a decent amount of feedback. We had a lot more, but what it was when I started cutting everything together, a lot of stuff that people speculated, you know, like I I had if I'd send in my uh, message after seeing episode one, I think Danny broke his fucking back with one of those lethal space cables. Um, I would be looking at egg on my face in the next episode. And he's just walking around, not even injured. They took yeah. that cable like a champ. So like a lot of stuff like that happened where people are speculating that uh, we're building on speculation like Danny is going to be a paraplegic or he's going to do this. Or he's going to do that. So obviously those got cut, but we still have a fair amount of feedback and we're going to try to get it's kind of like a fluke why it's been so long since we got the feedback on For All Mankind because it was like a combination of. Uh, being gone on vacation and recording things in advance because of that. It just kind of bad timing all around. But anyway, we're here. Uh, if you'd like to send us feedback to get on future shows, FAM at baldmove.com, fam at baldmove.com is where you send the D mails. I think is what they're calling them in the show. D mail, mm-hmm. uh, digital mail. Uh, Sean Bon Jovi says i was over the moon haha when you guys jumped on a full <laughs> it says fam the full alchemist metal the for all mankind bandwagon last year i can't wait to see what this season has in store for us just wanted to chime in with a couple of observations okay. it's interesting to see how they're going to continue to adapt to the aging makeup i think danielle looks great ed's is decent but they don't look like they did a thing to danny to age him up 10 years. It'd be interesting to see if they have this kid or Jimmy or Kelly's actors back in future seasons, as well as how they keep aging them. It's true that Danny amongst being uh, a psycho, a real dyed in the wool psycho uh, has a baby face and he looks, but that's the thing. Like, I I feel like uh, that guy could age 10 years and you wouldn't know, you know, it's it's like, I don't think they did much in the way of aging Ed up in the first two seasons. Right. Like sometimes you can just kind of get away with it. I feel like you can get away with it easier in like uh, from your 20s to like your 30s. But when you're trying to age up like a 17 year old to be 27, there's like a body change that happens during that time. That's hard to replicate, I imagine, right? You just like you fill in mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So it's like yeah, that that'd be a really hard makeup job to do. Um especially when the guy you're you you've casted is already that age and you're playing him younger and then like uh-huh. he's just supposed to look the age he is now. Yeah, that's it's strange. I wonder but, how how old the the actual actor is, Casey Johnson. Um I wonder how old he is in real life. I don't know. I could probably look that up, but I I'm not going to do it right now. His mid to late twenties. Uh, could be. Here's the other person that I think they're doing a really good job with is Aleda. She she has like they're just doing it with like hair type stuff and clothing, right? 
and they've done mm-hmm. a really good job aging her up from believably into like her late twenties, early thirties, maybe. I did see something because I, I read Alan Sepinwall's review and he's seen the whole season. I haven't seen, you know, the whole season. He does he he, he in, in his review is something he mentioned that like uh the make the the aging makeup uh is a little spotty or inconsistent over the season. Hmm. Um, but I imagine it's it's hard. It's hard to make people during their thirties look like they're believably in their fifties. Yeah. You know, and people in their twenties look, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting, especially as we continue to go on. Like, are you ready to see Joel Kinnaman as a 70 year old? I am. I am. He's going to uh, look like Clint Eastwood, right? That's just who he's going to age into. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty, pretty uh, beef jerky. Pretty he's just going to get more and more chicken skin and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think they, I guess anyone that's problematic to make up, they just they just uh, they do a makeup test every year, <laughs> and whoever doesn't look good in the next era, that's who that's who's going to bite it on the Mars mission. Yeah, Chantel Van Patine or Satine, whatever. It's like ah, oh, you're going to have a terrible microwaving accident in uh, Houston. It's going to go real bad, real bad for mm-hmm. you. Uh, Sean Sean Bon Jovi uh, continues loving the alternate timeline montage. I'm really looking forward to seeing more butterfly effects. I hope that we learn about Chernobyl in this world. Given their shift to nuclear energy, fusion, fission notwithstanding, I wonder if things played out differently and why. Hoping for a great season. Looking forward to the coverage. I remember if last year was in because like Chernobyl happened, I think in 86. Uh, so well past that now this either because of the increase in technology and maybe increased cooperation between East and West never happened mm-hmm. or it happened immediately after last season. And it's just, you know, like it, shit, we didn't talk about Chernobyl every fucking day in, in 1995 back, back in the day. So it, it could have just been one of those epoch events that got missed. I don't know. And it's, it's hard to do just like it's hard to prove a negative, right. Or sometimes impossible. It's hard to, tell you about an event that didn't happen not happening uh mm-hmm. like what do they say are Chernobyl right. still humming along just right perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no problems uh-huh. whatsoever on the news why Wild city chernobyl still going strong in right. ukraine yeah yeah gregory's up next is i only just finished watching the preview pod or listening to the preview pod for, for forgive me if you've already been informed but here's an interview with ron moore that was released close to the end of last season where he says they have a potential seven-year plan for the show uh nice so this was from inverse.com. Uh, this guy sat down and talked to Ronald Moore and I got a, d- d- this, this is a direct quote. Uh, the guy asked him if there is a plan beyond season two and for plans for season three. And he goes, there is such a plan. There's originally a seven year arc of structure that we pitched originally. Each season would go roughly 10 years into the future. So you catch up to the modern day and go a little bit into the future. That would have me like season six would be roughly 2020 the 2020s and then you'd have one more season kind of beyond that said of course these things are changeable and organic we approach each season fresh even though we have a big framework of what next season is supposed to be while we we always start at the beginning and say okay this is what we talked about two years ago let's make sure this still holds up is this still where we want to go so you could come to a point where you decide to end the show at a certain point or you can decide that the show is going gangbusters and you want to go past the end point everything's still on the table uh, but the plan was always to go into the future and catch up and see where the world we live in today would look like. How would it be different in this timeline? Um, hmm. I think that's a fascinating roadmap. 
in this interview, they were also talking about the fact that uh, more. I'm not sure if he got out of a Sony deal, but he has been signed to a massive Disney deal. And there was hints of the fact that this would kind of divide his attention. And he, at at the time of this interview, is saying he's fully involved in season three. I wonder if that will continue to be the case. And I wonder if more does get shifted more to the Disney side, if if the storytelling will suffer. (laughs) Or the storytelling on the Disney side will improve. Uh, Maybe, (laughs) maybe it's, yeah, double-edged sword. Um, yeah no i really like the way ron moore tells a story uh, yeah i liked his storytelling through battlestar galactica and, and star trek and all those things um i don't i don't know i mean i've seen writers rooms lose their creative inspiration i mean i i or their creative godfather let's say like vince gilligan yeah. kind of left better call saul and that shows chugging right along as what it was when he was there so but he's second in command took you know uh peter right, what's his right. name uh, yeah peter gould so Gould, I, yeah the cool uh so i'm hoping that there's someone in the writer's room there who takes that mantle from ron moore and can keep you know the feel the tone and feel of, of for all mankind because i'm really loving it yeah i agree um I don't like I said, I've I've seen shows that lose their showrunner early and it falls apart. I'm thinking like American Gods, especially is the one that jumps out at me. Uh, I think Daredevil suffered from that a little bit, too. I think that's the same guy. I think I think, yeah, (laughs) American Gods and he only likes Daredevil things. Yeah, he only does. It's like, "Ah, I got the first season out. You guys got it. You know, just uh, keep uh, painting in the lines. Um, But I don't know, Uh, because like the other thing is like we do put a premium on showrunners but the reality Mm -hmm. is any show especially one that's already established is going to be a lot about the writer's room and that kind of pool of talent uh putting their stuff together it's nice to have a unified person on top but yeah we'll we'll see how it goes um i would love to see seven seasons of this that's the other thing is like will apple i'm not sure because apple's so new apple plus I, i i don't know whether they would be like the netflix type that just like cut and run at the first sign of ratings drop um, or they're going to be more like the HBO where it's like, well, this has maybe a small and dwindling, but still passionate audience. And we owe them a conclusion to something because, oh my God, if this gets expansed, like in se- at the end of yeah. season four or five, I'm going to be Roth. Yeah, that would suck. Um, I'm, I'm really loving the idea of getting a little bit past our current day. I, I mean, we're going to be, look, we're about to be past our current day in this season right if they land on mars like boots on mars that's past our current day tech so like oh yeah you're in another 40 years you're talking about uh, interstellar stuff pretty much right like well i mean you're definitely at the the they they talk about the moons of jupiter and saturn Sure. You got so Venus, there's that. I, I imagine there's like a Earth. like a there might be a gold rush and asteroid belt. That would be kind of interesting. Like all the yeah yeah and, and now sp- private asteroids. space flight. You've got like wildcatters from Russia and China and the United States trying out there and like you know uh, may- maybe the there's actual a space force trying to I, who knows how the fuck things could go. But that's that's where I'm thinking. Yeah. Like uh, you'd have a season with the asteroid belt, a season with the moons of Jupiter and Saturn, and then yeah maybe. God, can you imagine like a 2030s or they were trying to send an interstellar mission? That just doesn't. It like seems like you have to get a lot ship? sci-fi. I mean, yeah. But but a generation ship is one of those concepts that's been around in sci-fi long enough that you could see them exploring that, right? Especially at an accelerated rate of development. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what For All Mankind has, and, and hopefully they'll get to, cha- to, to tell the, the, the whole story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt in Sacramento would like us to consider this as his humble application to be the officially unofficial pharmacist for Bald Move. We don't have one of those. No. So we could probably in, use until one. another pharmacist uh, rises to do battle, then uh, you're it, Matt. During the podcast for the first season, episode three, Aaron speculated Ed has diabetes due to his use of some unknown injectable medication to his buttocks. However, I don't think this is the case. Insulin needs to be injected into the subcutaneous tissue and is usually done in the abdomen or upper arms. Though it can be injected into the buttocks, it's not usually done due to inconvenience. Is it inconvenient to shoot your butt? I guess you have to get your butt out. I don't know. For one, yeah. Yeah, like you can just roll up your shit and put it in your belly fat or like pinch your up. I I guess, yeah, I I can see. Yeah, we'll, we'll accept We'll accept your professional judgment on that. Although uh, the the needle that Ed is using in this scene is much larger than an insulin needle, and he was injecting it into his gluteal muscle, which leads me to believe there's more likely to be a testosterone supplement oh. he's using. This makes sense say, if you consider yeah. uh, that he's getting up there in age and may be in need of extra help to keep up the younger astronauts in the program. I also think this could set up... Right? I didn't see anybody else jogging. Uh, I could. Uh, I also think this could be set up an interesting storyline. If this is in fact testosterone that he is using, and leads to some emotional instability that could arise during an intense situation, say as commander of the mission to Mars. Mm. Oh boy, we already know. We already know that Danny's all yeah. sex nuts, and now now we got Ed pushing T. I don't know. I mean, this is an explosive combination. Yeah, you've got Danny who just naturally produces. Extra levels of testosterone, I'm sure. And I'm kind of surprised injecting it. I think we've seen him inject two butt shots. I'm kind of surprised that they haven't specified what the hell it is. Because the other thing is like, uh, no offense to the professional pharmacists out there, but like it would be the first time that a show got the wrong length of needle and they're trying to imply one thing and they did the other. Although I just feel like, oh yeah, there's probably a diabetic on staff somewhere for all mankind. So like that's that's kind of mistake doesn't happen as often. But I don't know. I'm not I'm not opposed to testosterone theory. My favorite thing on television with needles is when they have the needle that's like three inches long and they're yeah. clearly trying to like draw blood or something and they just put the fucking thing all the way in their arm. Yeah, right? just put it to the stopper. It's like yeah. through the other side. And it's, it's someone like on Allison Brie and it's like a three inch needle uh-huh. and her arms are an inch and a half in diameter. It's like, where are you putting <laughs> right. all this, dude? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
All right, let's move on to other other feedback business. Steve says, I remember reading about this at the time. He linked to me an article about Jonathan Pollard. Uh, looks like an actual uh, instead of alternative history to me, maybe included to show possible consequences of Margot's activities. Let me explain. In the first episode in that montage, they talked about Ayesa, Dev Ayesa's partner. Uh, I forget. I think his name was Jonathan Hilliard who was like his fusion reactor partner. And then they also mentioned this guy that got caught up in spying. Apparently I, I heard Jonathan Pollard and because I don't have subtitles with the screeners, I heard Hilliard. So there is no relation between the person that dev develops his fusion technology and the Russian spy. This Jonathan Pollard is a real life person who sold state secrets to this the nation of israel who is uh an ally of the united states um and he got put in prison from 1987 to 2015 Hmm. and i think it's like if uh, there's there's a lot of stuff here because like we don't really guess it is a plea deal and never went to trial. We don't really know the full scope of what he stole and what he gave to, 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 um, to, to the, the Israelis and what other countries he might've sold it to and something like that. But it just goes to show you that like, if you can do this kind of hard time in a federal penitentiary for selling secrets to an ally, what the fuck are you going to get if they find out you've been giving all of our, uh, our national defense space secrets to the Russians? Yeah. It's I I think he, Steve's got the right of it here. This is just a show for people who maybe live through that era, paying attention uh, that that Margot could be in some real trouble. Uh, sure. So thank you for pointing that out to us, Steve. Sid is next. He says the first question I had was when did Danny or when Danny walked out on the thruster? Did he walk on the wrong side of the connecting portion of the ring? It looked like he was walking on the side where he could see the booster from the side, and gravity would only be generated on the side opposite of the burn. Right? Um, this took me out of scene because I'm pretty sure he could have been ripped ripped him off. Though I could be incorrect. I think if I understand what you're saying, you're saying that the thrust is going this way and that he would feel the the gravity should be coming from the opposite direction of that but any first year physicist can tell you that rotational frames of reference are a fucking bitch you've got pseudo forces real forces and i think you're right that danny would feel a little side slipping because of the acceleration that that the station is but like the predominant force is going to be the one flinging him off yeah. That's going to be because that the other is a slow. I mean, look how long it took that to spin the station from one G up to three. It took what? 30, 40 minutes. We don't even really know. It could have taken an hour. Mm-hmm. That's going to be so much more subtle than the three G's trying to fling you off of this. This You might be getting a, a 0.01 G of acceleration going in the one direction, but you're feeling those full three G's centripetally or centrifugally i'm not sure which is the real force there but that's my reading on it what is that yeah no that sounds right to me uh the second question i think you have the right of he says would danny's climb have gotten easier and easier as he climbed higher and higher not sure this would function like a centrifuge but i work at a lab and if you move samples to the center the rotor needs to spin faster to generate the same g forces no you're Mm -hmm. every literally every step of the rung higher would get in a little bit now course the station's also accelerating but i would think he's climbing faster than that so like by the time (laughs) you're halfway up you're experiencing probably half the g's maybe even less i'm not sure if there's a square inverse rule or something 
Um, yeah, and you eventually get to zero in dead center. Yeah, at the hub, there's like no, there's uh, at the very center of the hub anyway, there's going to be yeah. zero gravity. Uh, Keenan from Dallas, Fort Worth. That doesn't narrow it down a lot. That's, that's half of North America, I think. I, I want to see the episode uh, where somebody gets stuck at the very dead center of that hub. Like they accidentally step into the dead center with no momentum. I, I hear that's in. that's a prank and or challenge that they do on the IS, the, the International right. Space Station, that they put you in like the dead zone of one of the larger rooms. And then you have to kind of like by swimming and flapping and throw try to get to <laughs> to where you can free yourself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It sounds like fun. It's it's kind of like duct taping someone to a wall. Like uh-huh. you just like a bunch of astronauts bum rush you and take you to the center of a model, like a hab and be like, all right, have fun getting out. Yeah. Anyway, Keenan from Dallas Fort Worth area says, longtime listener, first time feedback given. Love hearing it. Uh, been with you guys since the OG Walking Dead days, and look forward to watching shows like The Expanse just so I can hear your breakdown. Well, thank you very much. Nice. My wife and I were right there with you on waiting for the slow, dirty dance stare right into Karen's eyes from Danny. The guilt she's going to feel after this possible or his possible injury and loss of Sam will drive them closer. Gross. Fortunately, we do, we dodged the the injury. Mm-hmm. Um, also, says the Medusa cables did not bother me too much until you guys pointed it out. Uh, if the lines were pressurized instead of anchors, I could believe a little bit more. But as they stand, you guys seem to be totally right. That's an interesting point. If these were pressurized like fuel hoses, I yeah. would expect a little bit more like swiggle wiggle room, like a runner runaway garden mm-hmm. hose, you know, like a fire hose. Um, they didn't appear to be that way, but um, no, I think they were just structural support, right? I think so. It felt to me like these were designed to kind of like as a lightweight way to resist the the the, the forces the station is going to feel trying to fling it apart. These yeah. are like, you know, tension lines to, 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 to relieve that pressure. Um, we did have a couple people that uh, had some problems with our physics take on this. First up is Blake. He says one possible explanation for the cable madness that we saw was it wasn't just one cable, but a success. There was successive different cables snapping and it is chronicling the destruction of each as they disconnected. Okay. It's plausible range of, of that one side of the station. I'm that's the thing. Like the establishing shot shows how many cables we have to deal with. And like, there was only the one quad that was really affected. Yeah. If they were breaking over all over the station, then then yeah, and, and each one snaps is doing. But like, I didn't think they were telling the that story. The ones on the opposite side of the station would immediately fling away from you, right? They wouldn't, right? They wouldn't threaten to come your direction. So it'd be like the cable immediately on your side, and then maybe a couple around it when they yeah. snap might come swinging at you. But like, and then, then it would get there. There would be some like flat flailing yeah, until it gets equilibrium. So Dennis has a, um, um, uh, a different take. So sorry guys, but the cable won't swing like you think it will. Not at first. You mentioned the garden hose, but you're swinging the garden hose from a vertex. I'm not sure what that means. The cables attached to the end of, Oh, so you're talking about swinging it from the middle. The cables attached to the end of the ring and will lash about for some time before the rotational forces affect it. Since there's no air friction or gravity. Also, unless there's a weight on the end of the cable, it won't point out like the astronaut on the tether. Think of it more as a big ribbon on a flywheel. Is the show completely accurate? Absolutely not, but it's not as wrong as you might think it might be. I um, I'm tempted to do a TikTok of me with like some kind of like thing that I'm spinning with various things at the end of it to see exactly what would happen. Yeah, I still think the amount of flailing that these cables would do on busting 
would be on the order of seconds and not like over several several minutes like they were especially when you're talking about getting to 3g that's a lot of force on those cables and even if mm-hmm. and i don't know if i buy the ribbon theory because we're talking about pretty thick steel cables which are not that crazy flexible to begin with um, i mean the thing I don't, that sounds no. convincing to me there is the weight distribution maybe like it not being distributed all toward the end is going to make a difference but yeah I'm and it's accelerating sure. So there could be like if the cable's waving in certain ways that it's like getting more energy put into those oscillations. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know either. I don't know. I, I, that's the thing. It's like I the thing is, is you know, like, even if I did the, 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 the real thing that really stopped, stopped me on going out my backyard and doing this was like this. The, the first objection would be, well, that's not in a vacuum. Right. Right. And you're in a you're, you're already in a gravity. Is, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's coming from two different uh yeah, vectors. It's it's not good. So I need I need Phil Plate from Bad Astronomy. Yes, or like maybe Dustin from Smarter Every Day to do to do a big big uh, full scale investigation. MythBusters. We need MythBusters yep. we need to come back to and do it for all mankind. <laughs> yes, it, right. Yes, spin this fucker. Get this thing spinning. <laughs> spin. Break a cable. Yeah, what would you call the ISS? Spin the football field. Like that's that's not a thing designed know. to spin at no. all. Anyway, we're gonna, I'm going to put Cablegate behind this because the science uh, thus far in a series uh, other than that has been stellar and superb. Um, Marcy says, what led you to believe that Karen and Sam got married? Had they been married, wouldn't they have been sleeping in the same bed in Polaris? The opening scene had Sam calling Karen on the phone as they were both on Polaris. She's not wearing a wedding ring. I think they're just business partners. Oh, okay. Uh, patriarchy? I think might be why. Just was like, well, there's a man and woman together. Yeah, maybe. And uh, surely they're not business partners. I mean, what does what? No, I, I think you might have caught me uh, slacking there. Uh, I I made an assumption that Karen, uh, you know, one of those uh, prototypical 1950s housewives would just shack up with the guy after she got divorced from her uh, longstanding. <laughs> but no, I'd look. I think you're right. I went back and there were no wedding rings. Um, yeah, I assumed too much. The reaction since has not been one that's been mourning a uh, uh, a life partner. It's been someone that's mourning a friend and a partner, but I think you guys are right. I don't think the Sam and uh, Karen were ever married. So, apologies so for that faux Who pas. cares? Crush him! Crush him! <laughs> crush him in that elevator. Uh, also, on the back of Margot's neck, there's a sticky yellow sticky on the door frame that appears to say tagged, a reminder to fix her jacket so the tag isn't showing. I think that's what that is. I, I talked about the patch on the back of her neck. Might be. I didn't go back to check that uh, to see what it was. But um, the other thing is, like, I, again, uh, we see uh, early copies that sometimes do and sometimes don't mark the, uh, the, the unfinished nature of stuff. So it could have been a makeup test or something that they need to say. Yeah. I, I don't know, but um, I'm pretty sure they didn't mean to have like some giant it, I, at this point, three episodes in, it's not like she's got some kind of cancer treatment or whatever. That was, I was worried about like, she's there's something wrong, you know? No. Nah. Um, Mr. Josh from Dayton said, did anyone catch a glimpse of Margot's slim fast can top? They're the old peel style and not the conventional pop top style. Maybe it means nothing, but it's clearly a deliberate choice. Any thoughts on why? My two senses, the pop top style was invented in Dayton, Ohio by local inventor Ermel Fraze in the early 60s. His machine shops customers included lots of aerospace clients, including NASA's most uh, like or like most machine shops. 
Uh, our Air Force base is a big time feeder into the local economy. I, my guess is that it's a sly nod to the nation's focus being on the space race and from that other breakthroughs took a back seat. Huh. The nation's preoccupation of space uh, delays the release of the pop top. Is it's it not all positive? I, I tried to find out if I could see if Slim Fast was a holdout um, in the the pop top thing or like, I don't even know what the fuck they use now. A Slim Fast, I think, are just like those those weird plastic paper cartons with a screw off top now. Yeah, everybody's but, um, plastic. But, you know, like that's the thing is like you see like old beer cans and stuff. They don't look like the ones we had today. They're much more cylindrical right. and they have these like peel open things rather than the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know when Slim Fast. So it's, it could be that they're just being period accurate because that's what they looked like in uh, 92. Or it could be that they are implying something subtle about the uh, some of the nuts and bolts technology staying the same in favor of like advancement of other things. I don't know. I think Yoko Ono killed the inventor of the pop top in well, lieu of of <laughs> driving a wedge between the Beatles and John Lennon and that whole assassination. She couldn't made. prevent the Beatles reunion in the in the nineties, so right. she took to thwarting minor inventors of yeah. aluminum yeah. can technology. <laughs> okay, moving on to Tommy O. Was the purpose of the whole Karen and Danny relationship to set up some scenario where Danny has to decide whether or not to let Ed die on Mars? If so, I'll retroactively hate that plot between Karen and Danny. Are you are you not caught up with us? You, you're retroactively hate. Are you are you a Karen Danny Stan? Are, uh, Darren? Canny? I uh, no, I don't like that. You need to get you need to get active. You need to stop this retroactive and get active on the hate. Uh, I mean, I as far as I know, she's mm. there hasn't been a smoking crater with Ed's name on it yet. But but yeah, go ahead and uh, I encourage you to fire those retro boosters and catch up to the rest of us. Um, I don't know. Like, th- that's the thing. It's like there's no way for Danny to redeem himself or Karen, for that matter. This is just bad. They doubled down on it. Anything that happens as a result of it, I'm going to probably have, find distasteful. Um, my boy, my uh, my boy, Ed's his favorite character, and he loathes this Danny Karen shit. I don't even know what he would do if if Danny uh, winds up getting Ed <laughs> Let killed. Ed die. Yeah, I mean it's clearly there to create drama between the three yeah. of them, right? Um, and I think that's going to work out pretty well. But as far as letting Ed die, that seems a bridge too far. They could flirt with that idea, but then ultimately they could flirt like, with that idea. Yeah, Karen Danny, could flirt Danny's with third with an underage <laughs> kid yeah uh-huh yeah but you shouldn't uh no i don't want it because i i know danny was an adult and that makes it right right slightly less uh less icky mm-hmm. a little bit um uh, but then again it's like i know karen picking up some rando horny 20 year old uh you know guy in annapolis is one thing but it's the it's the history it's the history yeah. there that's yikes a little yikesy uh, Tommy said, you guys were also wondering what the purpose of Danny's brother Jimmy will be. Since we know the Russians are trying to gain assets within Jim- NASA, could Jimmy be a way for them to exploit Danny after it's announced that Danny will be on the mission? Hmm. Interesting. We already have, of course, the big brouhaha with Margot, but maybe that's the sideshow to take us off the uh, our eye off the Jimmy ball. Yeah, I feel like uh, the Russians aren't going to put all their eggs into one Margot shaped basket, right? I'd be fools, fools for them to do so. 
Yeah, especially when it takes seven years for her to hold the hand of the guy she's supposed to be sleeping with <laughs> to, to make her into a sleeper agent. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I think they would be they would do well to create new avenues uh, into NASA. Yeah, or they could do something where, like, maybe their access to uh, Margot gets cut off for some reason. She's able to extricate from herself, and now they're looking for some other in. But the other thing is, like, I don't turn. Even if you flip Danny, like, flipping an astronaut is a lot less. I mean, God, getting Margot, the director of NASA, right? What a fucking intelligence coup! Yeah, like all the Dannys and 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 Jimmys in the world won't add back up to that. But uh, yeah. Damn it, Margo! You should have. You should have. You should have let Sergey die. He's dead anyway. You think they're gonna? Yeah. Uh, we'll, it's it's we'll, such we'll, we'll like an happens. intelligence coup that I could see that being unbelievable unless they do it just right. And I feel like they did do it just right. They I did do like it just having right. Having her be who she is and this like yes. seven year build up. If they had flipped her in a week, I would have been like, bullshit. What are you doing? Right. Right. But they and that seems. Played it. It seems like uh, that's how those intelligence coups go. That that you yeah. you carefully construct a, situ- a a snare, a trap for these people, and then you know when they're already through three feet over the line where they could turn back and get it, yes, you, you spring it on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes time, obviously, to do that. Uh, Jesse says to your point about the government adding a lot of red tape to Helios. This is some speculation I thought about, like what they do, some dirty tricks they could play. Um, I bet Ellen is going to be elected president. Because she's Republican and therefore anti-regulation, which I think was mentioned in her interview with Bragg, she's going to implement policies that would directly benefit Helios, easily helping them to overcome NASA and the race to Mars. Mm. Or am I forgetting about her being close to Margot? I also don't remember if Ed or Molly knew about Margot's secret phone calls from to Sergey. Uh, I could see them or someone else with that knowledge leaking that info and really messing up Margot's vision for NASA and hamstring their attempt to thwart Helios. After episode two, I really hope Margot gets her comeuppance. Any thoughts on this? Well, we know at the end of season three, we find out that Ellen is the president. Um, and that Helios is on the... A little bit of a contentious relationship between Margot and Ellen when they were both at NASA, right? Or when she was working with the the DOD or whoever it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, she had a little bit more pull, a little more suck in that that arena. Yeah. So there was a little tension there. Um, I think the thing about like I don't think these are secret phone calls of Sergey. What they're doing, like the passing the information through, uh, presumably this record deal. I don't know if we'll get more information about that. Is the problematic because, like, they're both the heads of their respective uh, space department. There's several joint missions. They're sharing the. It'd be entirely natural and appropriate for them to have regular co- uh, contact and communication. So I don't think it's secret. I mean, some of them are happening from payphones. Well, that's the, the, know, the that's the like that. the record swapping aspect of it that that yeah. might be and but there again like you know I, I would feel like Margot would have to be a person of interest for that to blow up in her face because mm-hmm. if I've learned anything from watching a wire it's like until they get you on that wire like you know and I think that like the show would surely have told shown like a a, a, a government issued face man tailing her yeah. and taking you know like you, you'd have seen evidence that the Russians know about it of course and they've got the compromise ready to go but I don't think the FBI does. So, uh, what do you think about this? Uh, um, what do you think about this red tape? I because I, I thought that was a cool idea. That it doesn't look like it's done anything to keep Helios from going to space this time. But I wonder if it's going to be something in 
later episodes this season or future seasons where you know NASA and the federal government with a regulatory capacity uh, mm-hmm. tries to use that to rein in the civilian the civilian space force. Uh, it's possible. I I didn't think of it from the opposite perspective, where like you might have some contentious relationships between the president and the head of NASA and maybe that, that goes wrong Get into pissing they, matches. Yeah. And they use it to like tear NASA down and support the private space travel. But I could see it going either way. Yeah. Angrid uh, is up and says, I just listened to the first episode of hi, Bob. So I apologize if someone else has already sent you feedback on this, but in case no one did, I have to give you this piece of trivia from watching the 1983 movie, the right stuff last weekend which is that Dennis Quaid plays Gordo Cooper in the movie, the astronaut Mm. who Gordo Stevens is based on. So in a sense, Dennis Quaid has already played Gordo. Incidentally, in the 1983 movie, Gordo's wife, Trudy, is played by the actress who went on to play Leslie Nope's mom in Parks and Rec. I did not know that. And of course, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan were real life married during the 90s. Um, That's interesting. That's pretty. I, I wonder if the right stuff existed in this world. Because, like, the history of space travel completely changed from between when Tom Wolfe wrote that book and the, the, the movie's based on. And, and this was like, yeah. And didn't Meg Ryan play Tracy in the movie Love in the Sky? Yeah, that's, what, that's, what, that's what she's pointing oh, okay. out, the, the okay. irony. That, like, he, Dennis Quaid in our universe already played yes. the guy who Gordo is based on. So Yeah, and Tracy was played by Meg Ryan in the show. And, yeah. I think that's some funny gags there in that interview that we mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, the one that was on uh, inverse. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things where like Ron Moore is kind of realizing like the, the guy asked him, like, are you Ron Moore in this alternate universe? Are you beginning to write TNG and this era? And like Ron Moore's <laughs> like, that's actually kind of fun. I haven't thought about myself in this world, but like clearly they're having they, they talked about a lot about them having fun with ideas of like well how the subtle pop like it's not just all the big nation state stuff it's like mm-hmm. the beatles getting back together and you know the fads and the fashions and what's delayed like he pointed out that in his mind that um star trek didn't get canceled because in people's interest in uh, space only increased um, Paramount went on with their phase two next generation project in the late seventies. The motion picture never got made. And after the run of phase two, the next generation, they just started on wrath of Khan oh and it came God. out a year later, is he which I guess Voyager? is all, is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's, it's all supported in the text. Like there's like references to like huh. the, the, the people make reference to wrath of Khan, but it came out the wrong year. So he's got this like, at least on a Star Trek side, it feels like he's he's mapped out culturally where that is because he's got a personal interest in it. So I thought that nice. was kind of cute in that interview. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for pointing that out, uh, Angrid. And we're going to move on to Evan, longtime listener, billion time writer. Love bald, this bald move podcast like all the rest. Well, thank you, Evan. Appreciate that. I had some thoughts on the North Korean missile activity in episode one of the season. I was active duty in the Air Force for eight years. And while not an expert, I know a thing or two about ICBMs and space launch vehicles. Uh, I thought it was really odd that the show simply states, well, North Korea is no longer focusing on threatening the rest of the world. They're just all about space now. This struck me because the majority of technology and equipment and material that can support space launches can also support ballistic missiles. A coworker once told me the only difference between ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles, and space launch vehicles is their trajectory and the letters in their acronym. 
I mean, that's that was what the space race was all about. Initially, was about the United States and Soviets being like, we can lob a nuke at you and there's nothing you can do to stop us. And every step in the, I think, was it the, uh, is Gemini? No, Gemini. It was Apollo. No, Apollo. What was the fucking first mission? It wasn't Gemini. Which, when we've played... God damn it. We, tr- we tried to recreate this in uh, the uh, the first time we played. Yeah, we were trying to attack Perth, right? Um, uh-huh. <laughs> shit, I can't remember the name of it. I cannot believe I can't remember the Greek god reference to uh, whatever the first uh, uh, Capricorn. I don't know. Fuck it. Whatever. That one. Um, that was just the, yeah, essentially um, proving the concept of uh, nuking each other, but with a peaceful kind of veneer on it. And not uh, Mercury is a Mercury program. Mercury, okay. yeah. Thank God. Um, anyway, uh, they continue. In fact, North Korea previously has stated that their space launch was for people purposes, peaceful purposes, rather. South Korea accused them of testing ICBMs. Part of me thinks the writers just wants a country that would be believably irresponsible with the space activities. And I think North Korea fits that bill. But another odd thing is both Russia and China have tested anti-satellite miss- missiles that have caused huge international uproar at the time over the space debris that these tests created. I have heard that, that every time someone tests these satellite destruction uh, abilities, it creates like 10,000 high-speed shrapnel that NASA and everybody's got to track to keep it from blowing yeah. their shit up. Uh, why not use either Russia or China since they've do- both done this purposefully instead of North Korean accident? Could North Korea cause further headaches for the countries on the moon currently? It seems to be that they are continuing to mention North Korea and these news snippets that are in the background. And I have no idea why, but I have uh, a feeling that they're setting them up to be some kind of rogue state that the main players have to contend with in maybe not this season, but next season and the seasons to come. Yeah. I do wonder, are they like saving China for something else? You know, cause like, that would be a natural one to add. It in could here. also be that the Ron Moore doesn't want to unnecessarily piss off Russians and Chinese that might be interested in watching the show. So North Korea does not watch. I, I can't imagine they let any American television in North Korea. So right. it could be just as, as something like that, you know? Um, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. They, they, I feel like they got plans for North Korea. I'm not sure what, and I'm not sure why. Uh, Corey says, Hey guys, first off, I have to say hundred percent agree with Aaron regarding the Karen Danny storylines and both of you regarding the way Margot handled the Ed situation and Ed handling his disappointment towards Danielle. Let's push all of our internet points in the center of the table. Despite this being a milk run to Mars for Ed and Helios, I bet Ed's leadership is going to overcome a problem. And more importantly, I think he's going to die probably being the first person to die on Mars. Secondly, I don't think Danny will be going to Mars, but instead we'll have a drunken rampage. We'll end up having dire consequences, possibly a death for himself and or Karen. Um, We know that Danny's going to Mars as of the Mm -hmm. end of episode three. We're not sure if he's going to get there. Um, What do you think? There's there's been a fixation of Ed dying. Yeah. Do you think Ed dies this season? Uh, I don't I don't want to see it, but he does a very dangerous job. You know, I feel like yeah. it's getting less dangerous every time, though. Like a mission to Mars is really no different than landing on the moon. Uh, it's just farther away. Right. So, like, 
<laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. It, sure. it, I mean, it's really like the concepts have been hammered out. The spacecraft has been tested. It's just sure. a matter of getting there and landing. Uh, so I feel like Ed's Ed's all right. Ed's going to make it, but it, I, I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. Anything could happen. I've often wondered like what they would do with like in this era of spaceflight with like a coronal mass ejection. Hmm. Like if that thing happened, because uh, I, I remember that was something that like uh, was in uh, Robert uh, Zubrin's book. And he's like, well, you could build like there could be a, the, the cruise water tank at the center and you could make a hollow. So like all six crewmen could get into that ball and like hide behind a meter or two of water. And it was still kind of like sketchy whether they'd survive. It's kind of like just like, well, it's kind of like uh, building a building in California. Like it. You know, Yellowstone could go up and knock everything down on the West Coast. But are you going to stop building because of that? It's like there's a one in a thousand chance that all the astronauts would get their shit fried because the sun has a hissy fit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, We'll see. We'll see. We got you for all the Internet points on Ed's death. I wonder if they'll do anything like that because they've already kind of done stuff like that, right? With the solar flare. On the moon. Yeah. What's her name? Molly. Yeah. Yeah. Cataractor. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that Dutch guy that was out on the was exposed on the moon for even longer than oh, her. Oh, the guy she saved. Yeah. He's because he was dead. kind of more like, <laughs> yeah, it might be. He was exposed be. for a while. Yeah, he was. Molly's too mean to die. Uh, Danielle says, I just want to do a quick write in regarding what happened on season three, episode two for all mankind. When Margo overturned Molly's decision of choosing Ed as the mission commander over Danielle as well as creating a committee that would choose the astronauts for future missions. Got a couple pushbacks on this. This is uh, hmm. the, the one that was like the most detailed and representative. I totally get where you're coming from in thinking that Ed was mistreated and that Margot undermined the agency and her position with her decision. It's definitely not a situation that was handled well. However, I do think something like the committee is the first way to increase diversity of underrepresented people in the workplace. When hiring, or in Molly's case, choosing astronauts for missions is left to a single person, you're automatically at the whims of that person's biases. Furthermore, it seemed like Molly was choosing Ed based on her experience and what she thought a mission commander should be and was also falling victim to affinity bias where she's choosing a person most like herself. Not to mention the unconscious bias that Molly might also hold against Danielle regarding her race and gender. While having decisions made by a committee doesn't completely remove bias and discrimination from the picture, it all allows a candidate to be evaluated by multiple people, which can lead to a more objective rating. Having a standardized rubric to evaluate candidates and then compare them against each other is one way to improve this further. At my current company, all hiring is done through two panel interviews with a rubric score. Candidates can have large discrepancies between the two scores from each interview uh, and are given another look and potentially even a third interview. Not saying it's a perfect system, but it does seem a lot more fair than a single person making all those decisions. Again, while I agree that Margo handled the situation poorly, I do wonder if Danielle would have come out on top at a selection committee been in charge of choosing the mission commander in the first place, and that decision wouldn't have been a bad thing. One thing I tried to make clear on the podcast is, like, I thought the decision was extremely debatable. I didn't think that there was a, like, objectively correct choice. Do you go with someone who's more of a risk taker and someone who can think uh, more on their feet? Do you go with someone who's more by the book and cautious? Um, which of the, uh, but, but also has more like uh, post settler skills. Um, 
or do you go as a guy that maybe gets you there in the planet and can't grow potatoes? I, I don't know. Like it's, 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 it's a, it's a judgment call. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're right. Like I, everything you say is right about the, you know, uh, the biases and how it's unfair to minorities and all that kind of thing. Um, but I, I think in this case, we're talking about selecting people who are going on very dangerous missions and have to bear the risks disproportionately in a very small group of people. Like how many astronauts does NASA have in this time era? A few hundred at most. Um, if you have a committee, I think the majority of those committee have to be astronauts. Because like the whole the, the, the this goes back to when the white coat lab coat dudes burnt like fric- fricasseed uh, three uh, astronauts on a launch pad because of just getting obsessively wonked about, you know, oh, we if we put pure oxygen in, in the, uh, uh, the 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 cabins, we don't have to pressurize it. But like a, one or two bars instead of 15. And oh, if we strip all the insulation off the wires, we can save this much weight. And they they, they made an astronaut barbecue because they got lost in their parameters, of their mission and, and lost sight of the men and, and this era women uh they're going into space and bearing all these risks so it'd, it'd be like um if you to make it like as i imagine if all the astronauts were black and the committee was just nothing but white folk okay um there that's a problem there there's a problem between the 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 experiences and the burdens and everything and so like i think that if Margot felt really strong about this committee and they wanted a clear path through through the astronauts. She should have taken that stuff into consideration. Like a, a preponderance of them should have been astronauts. Mm-hmm. And if she felt this strong about the decision, she shed this in place before this mission that that Molly, by the power to vested into, had the the sole discretion on making mission commander. Like I I, I see everything that people are saying about like there's two sides to it because there is like I think Danielle would have been a fantastic mission commander probably better than Ed especially with Ed and his head up his ass attitude towards Danny but that doesn't make what Margot did right no no it's it's not necessarily about the approach itself it's about the the way it was forced upon Molly uh, that was the offensive part of it yeah and it's like you know it's one of those things where like um I start caring a lot more about representation and, and, and diversity and that kind of stuff when things become bigger and more mature. And I think that in, you know, something like a space age where you got a very small number of group um, and they have to have complete trust with each other's lives, like their opinions should matter a hell of a lot more than the administrators. Um but yeah, as like, you know, when and as this matures and you get like, I, I think that's that's the thing. And I, I, if we didn't say it on a podcast, I apologize. I, I think that this kind of move is an inevitable one as this matures from wildcatting, pioneering, frontier busting type mm-hmm. of stuff to making it commercialized and safe and repeatable like that. That that is a move that we'll have to make. It's just why did it have to happen now? And if it did, why did you allow yourself to get politically outmaneuvered by fucking Molly? Sure. You know, so that's that's my that's my opinion. Um, Caitlin says, hey, guys, I'm on the road for work about half the year. And this one tip that definitely helped me was if you're going to be on a motel for more than one night, unpack everything. Living out of suitcases is harder on you than you think. So if I were there for a weekend event, I'd do the same thing. Another pro unpacker. That's crazy. That's crazy. 
I agree. If I'm, if, if it's an overnight, because I did, I did an overnight stay up on the North Shores of uh, Lake Erie this last weekend. Did not unpack my suitcase. Just lived out of it. Mm-hmm. But f- if I'm going to be there for more than one night, yeah, I'm putting that shit in the drawers. More than one night. Wow. No, weekend trips don't get unpacked. Hmm. Weekend trips, everything stays in the suitcase as much as possible. Uh, Week long trips. Now you're talking. Well, I'm lucky that the luggage selection committee is headed by Caitlin, an experienced person who's on the road for half a year and not some Jim Jones hasn't left his house in three years. Kind of dandy. Doesn't doesn't know anything about unpacking. Maverick. I can live out of a suitcase for decades at a time. <laughs> you probably could. Probably could, yeah. Uh, out-of-state boogers. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Out-of-state boogers. Uh, or hi, Boog. Uh, slingshot maneuvers is to space exploration movies as the timely gear shift up and down is to racing movies. Change by view. <laughs> I won't, because it's correct. I mean, you're not wrong. They're dramatic. <laughs> they make you go f- vroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they are cinematic as hell. Yeah, no, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. Um, it's I, although I will say it's a lot harder to do just a purely cinematic like gear shift in space. Like uh, you know the operation the the options for slingshots are not is it's not as common as just you know uh working working a gear box. But uh, you're you're right on. You're right on, Rob. Maybe it's the result of watching and reading too much of The Expanse, but whenever I see they showed people on the Polaris and they were in civilian clothes with civilian accessories, I found this impractical. That they figure out a new way to launch people into space that didn't include massive Gs, because otherwise it strikes me that everyone's dangly earrings would have been clipped, ripped clean out of their ear holes. Uh, also, Ed's chair is just a chair with a five-point harness on the Phoenix. It looks like a projectile waiting to happen if they need to initiate a burn. Did you notice this, or am I quibbling a bit too much? I mean, I don't, I, I don't wear my seatbelt when I'm just sitting in my car in park waiting yeah. for somebody to like come out of a store or something. I presume they wouldn't wear their earrings during launch. Yeah, I, I assume Ed's. Yeah, that's why I feel like that there was probably like, hey, put all loose, like like going on a roller coaster. Jesus Christ. I went on right. fucking Steel Vengeance at Cedar Point. You had to take your eyeglasses off unless you had a strap on. Like mm-hmm. they didn't give a shit. Hearing aids. I saw people getting the main. They're, they're, they're making them take their hearing aids off. Uh, like if it was not secured to your body with a goddamn strap pockets, cargo zip pockets, they don't give a shit. Put it all in the locker. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be something like that. It's like they get you all because they, they they had to wear a spacesuit too, right? Oh, For yeah. The at yeah. At some point, you'd have to wear a spacesuit. I feel mm-hmm. like that they're yeah that they they probably have like a little baggy that they and you put all your like heavy earrings and all that kind of stuff and then it's given to you at the but like you you just don't see that stuff. Um, right. Now Ed's chair, like I don't see any problem with that. Like if it's bolted down, what's the complaint about Ed's chair? Ed's chair that it's like it could be a projectile if they want, needed to initiate a burn. Like, I don't think Ed's chair is literally unsecured. It's not like got right rollers like an office chair. I think it's bolted to the ground. Uh, so I don't see any problem with that. I mean, there's also the idea that like in space flight, you don't really do a lot of unexpected maneuvers. True. Like, there's nothing out there, man. Like once you get out of orbit, there's literally nothing out there. There's no reason to ever do a burn that isn't scheduled years in advance, right? So, yeah. like, you're not having to dodge shit that's coming at you right. uh, at a 
you know, 26,000 miles an hour or something. It's not like a Belter Raider is going to come out with their mass drivers blare and you're going to have to take evasive (laughs) maneuvers and all that kind of stuff. And also like like, having chairs that aren't bolted down is not even a problem if you can store them for a scheduled burn, right? Yeah. Um, And the Phoenix also is not intended to lift off from a body. It's going to stay in low Earth or Mars orbit and in deep space. So like... It's not like it's going to have massive G's when it's taking off. I imagine it's much less than a G of thrust that they're going that that, that, that they took off under. I imagine, but because yeah. um, it's like you know a long term trip, I think it'd be a slow and steady push. Um, but then again, at some point they turn their engines off, no matter what. I don't know. Let me ask you this: up on uh, the the Hotel Polaris, yeah, were they, did they have like a, a hotel happy hour or something where they'd stop the spin? And just let everybody float in zero G. Because if not, what the fuck are they doing? Oh, yeah, that would be. Or they need to have like expanded rooms at the hub so people can experience zero G or zero G suite. A zero G suite. Because you know people are going to want a zero G fuck. Four times the price. Of course. That's the number one reason to go to space. Yeah. I just, <laughs> honestly, I'd say in the top three. For sure. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, I uh, that that's a big, there's big missed exploration, opportunity. There's domination of a new frontier and there's mm-hmm. SpaceX. Those are the three there's reasons. Space, there you go. There you go. Massive platinum asteroids. Uh-huh. <laughs> Helium three fucking in space. <laughs> uh I think we're ready to move on to Craig T for the finale says I love the show in the season so far but one thing that keeps taking me out of the moment is the amount of green screen scenes especially when our core cast are in populated areas I know it's COVID related and it's a very clever way to combat this and for the most part it works but what lets it down is the lighting on the foreground compared to the green screen background surely there must be some software to color match these scenes to match and make it that much more real I've noticed this in so many shows and movies now especially the MCU am I missing something because it seems like an easy fix to me Uh, what you're missing is like the budget and where it goes like it's not super hard but color correcting everything and matching it I think a lot of times it gets to good enough and like we're going to have a very complicated zero G shot this year and we need to save the budget for that Um, I will say this I have noticed that cheapness in some of the Disney plus crap um, yep. I haven't noticed it so much this show. Like I, I know so when things are composited, like when they're doing the historical footage and all that kind of things. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, I haven't noticed a lot of the green screen COVID stuff. Um, I know I it's either. there, but it hasn't jumped out to me. Maybe it's because I like, I, I, this is one of my favorite shows and my barrier for suspension of disbelief being broken. is pretty high, mm-hmm. but I haven't noticed it. If it's bothering you, I feel, I, I feel bad. Need to, more color correction apparently um that's going to be it for our feedback for all mankind we'll try to get back a little bit quicker on the next one won't leave you hanging for three episodes but it's uh, largely up to y'all uh fam at baldmove.com if we get a smattering feedback we'll probably start appending them to the end of the episodes but we've like i said had a whole hour feedback for the first three episodes it's a lot fam at baldmove.com if you want to uh stuff our d-bag d-bags or d-mail bags Mm, or d d mail servers i don't like to it. capacity uh i'm gonna move on to f mail just to be safe f a m that'll help at baldmove.com stuff uh, our f we, bags full 
<laughs> we'll, we'll, we will see you tomorrow, probably, because uh, Apple's been releasing these things early. We're going to talk. We're going to see about releasing uh, or advancing our release schedule um, to keep up with them. But uh, we will have a fresh new episode for you and a fresh new podcast episode for you to cover or for you to enjoy and within the next 24 hours. Thank you for writing in. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.